Amen. Thank you, Kevin and Jill and choir for uh, leading us in worship this morning. As I uh, mentioned earlier, I'm uh, Drew Smith, uh, the pastor here, and we're in the middle of a sermon series uh, that's looking at how all that we have is gift from God. Our, our time, our resources, our bodies, everything that we have, and how then do we manage, or the biblical word steward, how do we manage all the things that God has entrusted to our care? And we spend the first four weeks, and today's the, the, the last one, uh, on how we manage the money that God has entrusted to us. Uh, now, after last Sunday, where we talked about joyful giving, um, uh, Robin Reichel um, connected with me and said, you know, th- this happened in my life that just is a um, an example of, of God giving me an opportunity of, of joyful giving. And I said, you know, Robin, now this is always it's always dangerous to share with the pastor or something like that. Would you be willing to to share that? And she's as an act. She didn't say this, but what I heard from her, this will be an act of sacrificial giving. Uh, not necessarily joyful giving. I said, well, that's it. Just be cheerful through it all, and you got them all three covered. So, but Robin, would you come forward and just share with us that uh, story of joyful giving? Thank you. Well, talking to a large group of people is not something that I would choose to do, but I felt like God asked me to share this experience to hopefully encourage others to give when God prompts you with an idea or a need. So this past year, God gave me an idea to share generously. Uh, The project was fun, and it made many people, including me, very grateful and amazed to see God at work. So I pray that God will receive the glory today for the things that he did. When Drew preached last week on joyful giving, I kept thinking about this project and you definitely cannot outgive God. I learned that lesson as a single person on many occasions, giving what I could when I saw a need, and it always gave me joy to see how God worked. So a few years ago, I read an article in a magazine about a woman who was turning 80 years old. She decided that instead of receiving gifts, she would like to give 80 friends and family members $80 each to share with someone in need. So she hand-delivered the cash to each person and asked them to return a postcard explaining how they shared the money. This inspired me to do something for my 60th birthday last year. I had saved money for my retirement, and I felt like I wanted to give some away now and see what God would do with it. So I thought I would give 60 friends and family members some money and ask them to share it with someone in need. Well, I'm a detail person, and the logistics of that seemed very overwhelming. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I prayed about God, uh, what God would have me do with this idea. And as I listened, he guided me, and we decided on the total amount that I would give towards six projects or ministries that had some specific, tangible object that they needed. Then I planned to buy 60 of those items, or multiples of six, according to the need or the cost. 
So I prayed and I kept my eyes open to family and friends that I knew who worked or volunteered in some kind of ministry. As God led over many months, I explained my project and asked each family member or friend to share what was the most needed item in their ministry. So over the past year, following God's lead, six projects were supported. I like to share what those were because God was moving in each of those projects. And um, I just remember thinking, as Drew was sharing, you know, giving should be joyful. And several times I would stop in the middle of the project and say, this is this is kind of fun. <laughs> so... Um, What was given was 60 packs of diapers to a pregnancy care center where my niece worked, 180 pairs of socks to a foster care clothing closet where my friend gets clothes for her foster children, 60 children's books to refugee children so that they could have a book of their own. Uh, That was done through a school district where I had taught. 18 baby carriers to new young moms at a nonprofit where my daughter-in-law volunteers. Dancewear to about 30 girls who dance for Jesus, where my friends lead the dance worship team. And 60 clothing items, including coats, shoes, and pants, to children who lack those items at a school where my other niece works. So after following all of my leads, I still had money left. So remember, you cannot outgive God. So God gave me two bonus projects. I saw in the bulletin that Living Hope Counseling Center requested water bottles, snacks, and tissues. So I put together a care package of 120 of those items. For the second bonus project, I felt God wanted me to share the rest of the money with Delivering Dignity Ministry in the Congo. So I asked my friend to buy what was needed, and three treadle sewing machines were bought to make the reusable feminine pads in the Congo. So it took me almost a year to complete this project from God, and I'm overwhelmed to see what God did with my fish and loaves, and I pray that you will share and give generously in small or big ways when you see a need so you can know the joy and the gratefulness of seeing God at work in your life and in the lives of others. Good. Thank you, Robin. A a wonderful, you know, just a wonderful, simple uh, example of something that, uh, just ways that we can be purposeful and thoughtful and prayerful in how does... How do we now manage, how do we steward what God has given to us um, according to the, the needs that are, are around us? Um, now today, today we're, we're going to move into the place of purposeful giving and maybe even give a few details, um, a little more of the details about purposeful giving, that our, our giving has purpose because it's tied to what God is doing. And what God is doing in the world always has purpose and lasts forever. You know, we, we can be doing other things that do not have eternal impact. In the, in, when all is said and done, it will as bit be as if it was never done. Because it wasn't done in what God was doing. It wasn't done in accordance with God's righteousness and goodness. Uh, but what is done in accordance with God's righteousness and goodness, it, it lasts forever. It even passes through judgment. Uh, because it is what God has done. And those things that aren't, 
Therefore, of God, don't pass through judgment. So this is our purposeful giving that we can know even in the little bit or the big, in the, the big plans or the, the simple ways that we give to what God is doing last forever. It is therefore purposeful. Now, we've, we've had a little bit of housekeeping. We've had a, quite a few little glitches this morning that many of you don't have any idea because they got the screens working, they got the stuff working, and so but under the, under the surface, that little duck has been paddling really hard. Um, uh, even though it looks like they're just scooting along smoothly above the surface. So I don't know if we got things done for the sermon or or not, uh, but we'll see. So some things may be up there and a little discombobulated, but that's okay. We'll try to be as clear as we can. So now, with all that said, let's pray. Uh, Almighty God, we do give you thanks again for... Uh, your gifts to us and we uh, and one of them is your word that gives to us words of life and truth and we want to live according to them because we know that's what lives to lot leads to life abundant so fill us give us eyes to see ears to hear a heart to receive and then free our hands and feet uh, to to go and and do what you're calling us um, to do in the name of jesus we offer ourselves to you Amen. I, the, the first detail that we ask, how much do we give? It's always a big question. And many in the church are familiar with the term tithe. You know, that tithe means 10%. The, uh, the, and, and that's a, a very familiar use of tithe a lot in the Old Testament. And even Jesus refers to it. And it was the, the way that, that God had set up for God's people to give a 10% of their seed, of their lambs, of their livestock, of their crops. They were to, to give 10% un, unto God um, in specific ways, giving them to the temple, giving them to the, the priests and the Levites, giving them also to the vulnerable in, in their midst. And, and we will not go through... There's Passages in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We'll just t- touch base on a couple of those to see where does this tithe come from? And then how does it apply for us today? All right. The, the first passage you want to look at is Genesis 14, verses 17 through 24. And uh, do we have that? Yes, we do. Thank you, Bailey and Samuel, as you're, uh, you were paddling very hard this morning. Um, but this is the story of Abraham, and uh, he has been called by God. He's had this victory, and then he encounters Melchizedek, who we're told in this passage is a priest of the Most High God. Now, it's the first time we ever see the word priest of the Most High God. I mean, we're just in Genesis 14. Abram's just been called. He hadn't even changed his name to Abraham yet. But Melchizedek is this priest of the Most High God, and um, Abram's had this uh, victory, And when he meets with Melchizedek, the tithe is then mentioned as Abram's response to God leading him into victory. After his, Abram, after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. 
And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons that take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I've lifted my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten, and the share of the men who went with me, let Anir, Eskol, and Mamre take their share. Now, this is this initial time where Abram, in worship to God, responds to Melchizedek comes. He says, here, out of because of the victory that I have in you, here is 10%. Given back a tenth of everything unto the Lord. And then this last little piece where the other king comes up. Hey, let me give you stuff. Let me um, give you blessing. And Abram says, no. Uh, I give a tenth because all that I have is from God. If I receive from you, you're going to take credit for making me rich. God gets all the credit. For making me rich. For making me victorious. And so this becomes the beginning of this notion of the the tent. Um, Now, in Leviticus, we see another example of this much later on. You know, this is uh, after the nation has started to be formed. And there is a temple. There are priests. And this is just one of the many examples where God tells the people to give a tenth of everything. Leviticus 27, 30 through 33. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herds of, and flocks and every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not di- differentiate between good or bad. Neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. Now, there's a lot there, but the basic point is you see everything, you know, the seeds, the flowers, the flocks, everything is now given as a tenth unto the Lord. And it's a it's a representation that all is from God. Now, over time, and again throughout the Old Testament, that the tithe takes on a variety of different forms and a, a variety of different ways. And some some scholars have taken a look um, at just all the particular ways that things are tithed. And we, a number of passages, again, that we won't go into now. But they calculate it all. And in actuality, it's really not 10%. Because some years you added a tithe of, of other things. And you add in an additional tithe to your original tithe. It, it, it sort of amounts about 23.3%. It's because you take a tithe of a tithe and another tithe. And it makes it more and more. My point is not, therefore, everybody has to go rechange all your stuff. and Because I know you all tithe now. You all give 10% now. And so you got to go give 23%. My point is that the, the, the tithe is there for that time. Um, that was to be used in the point uh, in the in the time of the temple that is is no longer our command our law the tithe i propose to you is actually a good a great initial goal but not an ultimate destination it's a great initial goal but not an ultimate destination 
here's what happens. When we make tithing a goal, I'm going to give 10%. Then it becomes about me achieving it or accomplishing it. And, and, and that's not the point. The, the point is, what has God done? How am I responding in joy and celebration to God? One of the things that we talked about and we'll continue to talk about is giving cheerfully. So for us today, given the variety of people that are here and online, start with what you have, which is what we've been talking about all along. Get an idea of what your income is. Get an idea of how you're you're spending it. And now pursue 10%. Because, largely, only about 5% of Christians give 10% of their income. The average giving from folks who say they follow Jesus is about 2 or 3%. So we might as well just say that's what it is. And that is a far cry from what it should be. But make 10% your initial goal and pursue that. Some some of you, some of you, that's where you are. You need to make... You need to shoot, all right, so I'm not at 10%, I'm at zero, all right? Start at two, then at four, then at six. I mean, but joyful giving with prayerful thought, with, with before the Lord. Uh, I loved how Robin said, you know, she was regularly trying to, to talk with God and hear how God would lead. But we need to have, but hear, hear me, hear me here, be sure to have a plan. Because some folks, some folks need to give a whole lot more than 10%. And I know of people who actually live on 10% of their income and give away 90. Well, when you make $2 million a year, you know, to live on 10% means you live on $200,000 a year. You know, and you give the rest away. And I would say, yeah, that's good. You, you might even be able to live on 5%. But... You know, be be in conversation with the Lord about what your needs are. Because you see see what happens when we make it 10%, then it's a goal that we accomplish and then we move on. Or it's a goal we don't accomplish and we just live in guilt and shame. Instead of giving, being in relationship with the living God, that you are regularly engaging. This is the money you have given me. Now, how do I recognize my, my needs and pleasures, as we talked about, that, that are necessary for life, that are good for life? And then how do I save and how do I give? Sacrificially, cheerfully, and generously. Now, my, my personal experience... Is that the ten percent is really helpful, but if if you just start there, you know, when when Kathy and I was in school and Kathy was working, my wife, you know, I mean, it, you know, students, all the rest, it really becomes a challenge, and you say, all right, ten percent is our goal, you know, and you you eventually you get to ten percent, and then that just becomes your habit, just becomes our habit. That's what we've lived with from the beginning. So if you're starting off, man, make that your initial goal to, to get there and to, to stay there. Because, you know, kids come and all the rest things and a bunch of other costs come and the uh, uh, the colleges and all the rest, all, all that comes. If you're used to doing that, then it makes it much easier to stay there 
and even to build on it. And, and now we're in the position where, you know, uh, the uh, kids are gone. You know, I've only got two sets of hands eating out of the refrigerator. And uh, our metabolism and appetites are going less and less, not more and more. So things, uh, we're, now it'd be wrong for us to stay at 10%. And in talking with the Lord, uh, we're like, yeah, how do we now that we have this abundance? How do we give now out of of this? So that. Hear hear that out, that that 10 percent is that initial goal, but not our ultimate destination. It's what we're working to or then building on out of relationship with the living Lord. So that our giving is joyful. Part of God's work, a cycle of grace and gratitude, as we talked about last week. Now, what we do have some clarity here in the scriptures on how not to give. Um, some clear statements, uh, particularly from Jesus. The first one is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2 through 4. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So don't give to show off. Give, as Robin explained here, to give honor to God. Don't give to show off. Give in order to honor God. Uh, uh, Luke 11, 37 through 42. Another one that Jesus tells us how not to give. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within. And behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. Those you ought to have done without neglecting the others. An example of those that were giving in order to meet requirements. Uh, those that were giving in order to, to look good, to have spiritual, uh, religious accomplishments, and went into great detail. They went into great planning, but it was for the wrong reason. It was for the outer appearance instead of the inner change of the heart. So you see, you see why I'm, I'm saying that Jesus didn't say to them, don't tithe. He said, hey, you should, still should have done that. But you should have done it for the right reason. And we and how that notion of having this this particular goal can become our God instead of God being our God. Because that's what happened to the Pharisees. So don't give to satisfy yourself. Give to love God. Don't don't give in order for you to, to meet a requirement to, to feel good about yourself. Give to love God. Our giving is to be out of relationship with him. Now, then the, the other, the ultimate example of the, the giver that Jesus gives us is in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. 
And he sat down, this is Jesus, opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which made a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. See, Jesus celebrates her because she gave it all. Her giving was out of total allegiance unto God. And sometimes if we have a goal that we meet, it's like, okay, I'll give this to God, but then what I do with the rest of it is totally up to me. No, God says, all is mine. Not just my giving, but also my your spending. And all of that is part of the, the beauty and joy that God has in giving us the resources that we need to meet our needs, even ha- enjoy our pleasures, but then also to participate by, by giving. So, um, you know, throughout this series, what we've heard over and over again is how then do we give? We give Joyfully, we, we give, as Paul uh, mentioned to the Corinthians last week, we give cheerfully. Uh, we're, we give generously. We're to be generous stewards of God's gift. Uh, I loved uh, last week when Paul was talking about how the uh, Philippians, they, they were begging to give. They, they wanted even to give more. And we get to share in the generosity of God. And then we give sacrificially. We, we are giving up something when we give. We are uh, giving, and, and the, but these, this giving needs to be planned, prayerful consideration, part of our relationship with God. Not out of shame or guilt or pride or ambition. Giving is an act of worship because God owns it all. Giving is an act of discipleship because Jesus gave it all. It it flows out of the very character of God in us. It is an essence of our discipleship, of our relationship with God. So, So we give cheerfully, generously, and sacrificially. Finally, uh, then where to give? We give in, in every way to God's mission. And what does that entail? What does that entail? Well, um, uh, it, it entails evangelism. It, it entails that we want to give in ways that help other people hear about Jesus that otherwise wouldn't. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 through 20. This is Paul celebrating the, the gifts that the church has given to him. Do we have Philippians 4? Oh, there we go. Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul is taking the good news to the church, uh, to, the, to the area, to the city, the community of Thessalonica. And there, the, the church in Philippi is giving to him so that he can do that. That we give in order to take this good news um, across the street and across the sea. That's why with WizKids and Jesus University, with Alpha, with the, the, the Halloween party coming up um, in, in, in the, the end of this month. You know, we do these things in order to put ourselves in places with people who maybe are outside of the church so that they can know about Jesus. We give to others as they take this good news all around the world to, to Kenya, to the Congo, to Iraq, to Papua New Guinea, to, to Northern Africa, to Turkey, just to name a few. That we have direct connections to people and ministries that come out of the giving of this church and that many of you give to in addition. Because we want people to know about the love of Jesus. We give to things of discipleship. 1 Corinthians 9, 13 and 14. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offering. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Paul's telling the church in Corinth, this is why you pay me. This is why you pay the others who are staying in your area to, to help form a community, to provide leadership for God's people to continue to grow deeper and deeper into the ways of Jesus. That's what discipleship is. We're following Jesus, becoming formed according to him. And the, the folks that are paid to, to do that so that we all can continue to grow in him. On that that note, um, it'd be remiss of me not to say thank you for your giving on behalf of my family, on behalf of the staff. Because that's what your generous giving, you don't pay us to preach the gospel, to lead in discipleship. You pay us so that we meet the needs of our families and of ourselves that frees us from having to work elsewhere for those needs. So that then we are freed time-wise to give ourselves to, to study and to planning and to programming for our growth in Jesus. And in terms of discipleship, this is the best job you can ever have. Uh, it's, it's a fringe benefit of the job that I got to be in church you know, almost every Sunday. You know, it's a fringe benefit of the job that I've got to study the Bible regularly. In order to communicate. Any of you teachers, you know, you're blessed more when you teach than your students are. And so for, for that, I, I say, I'm thankful. You're part of the cycle of gratitude. I'm thankful to God for your generosity. And I hope cheerful in most of the ways of, uh, of, that helps provide for me, for the rest of the staff and our, <clears throat> our families that we can help lead in evangelism and, um, discipleship. And then finally, to help care for the needs of the vulnerable. Um, uh, Deuteronomy 14.29 is a whole list of tithes uh, that are given. But I want you to see, this is just the last passage, um, last verse of 14.29. He's talking about the tithe and giving it. But in, in this way, he says, and you give it to the Levite. And those were the temple servants because he has no portion or inheritance with you. And then you also give it to the sojourner, which is the... uh, the, the refugee, the immigrant, the fatherless, the widow, 
who are within your towns, they shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. So part of giving that is, to the, again, to the mission of God, evangelism, discipleship, and care for the vulnerable, because that is the heart of God for the world. So, <clears throat> how much? That's tithe is a great goal and then a great foundation to build on. But explore with God, with your reality, what what can you what can you give? Where to give, and how to give is out of relationship with God. It's out of relationship with Him. It's it's um, in a sense. You're participating in his generosity, his joy, and his sacrifice as we give. And ultimately we give to God's mission, whether it's evangelism, discipleship, or care for the vulnerable. So what's your plan for that today? Some, some of you, some of you uh, that are hearing this, you, you may just say, okay, my next step. My, my next step here is to talk to God about this. And I would say, talk to God and another trusted Jesus follower. Talk to God and another trusted Jesus, Jesus follower. I, how do I get, I don't think I can give anything. I've never given anything away like this. I'm always living just right um, from paycheck to paycheck. I don't see how I could give anything. <clears throat> I need to talk to God about this. Talk to God and a trusted individual. And I want you to know, on Saturday morning, um, the, the second Saturday in November, which is the 11th, um, you... Uh, We'll, we'll have somebody here that, that morning. Um, Breonna Carter, who led a budgeting workshop um, a couple years ago, she'll do the same. She'll do the same. And that's just a great way. That, that morning, you'll be, and it's in November, you'll be hearing more about that. But that may be where you are. You've never given. You've never even thought about it. You don't even think it's possible. That, that's the place to then say, okay, let me talk to God. Let me see. What, what will that look like? What could that mean? Um, uh, some of you, um, maybe you're, you're in the, the, the place where you give some. You know, you, you get when the spirit moves, you know, when your heart, you, you give some, but you don't give regularly. Uh, remember, you uh, remind you about last uh, week when Paul told the, the, the church in Corinth, all right, set aside something every week. Set aside something every week for this gift. And uh, like the tithe, it was to be given uh, regularly. It was to be given on an annual basis. But there's a, a regular way of giving. So some of you may be there where you, you give, um, but it's not planned. It's not really considered, not thoughtful, prayerfully considered um, outside just the, the moment of giving. And, and so maybe it's time for you to take a next step of saying, let me take a look and see how I can plan to give. And, and take, um, and maybe some of you do, do plan, you've planned, you need to rethink that plan, you need to go back and look. Maybe, you know, things have changed and you realize, huh, I can step up my giving to the next level. That may be your next step. Or, or others, uh, it may be your next step is to say, how do I give, um, upon my death? How do I give in a, in a legacy way? Uh, that if there's going to be wealth uh, upon your your death to say, hey, how in that final act do I continue to participate in this cycle of joy and grace? But wherever you are, what's your next step? Let's uh, 
Let's pray. Almighty God, we do give you thanks for your grace and for your generosity, uh, your, your sacrifice on our behalf, and that we get to participate in what you're doing. Thank you that you've given us uh, some, some guidance on how to do that and how to do that in, in relationship with you. And we pray for each of us, though, in this, this time, you would be speaking to us and how we engage with you and how we steward the financial resources you've entrusted to our care. Almighty God, we give you thanks as well that we can offer unto you all our prayers, all our needs, all of our concerns. You know the cries of our heart. We're thankful that you hear and that you respond in your goodness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.